Hello and welcome to another episode of the Showgame Podcast with me, Sean Colfer. So I trailed this last week. I spoke to Cy Hill from UK Ultimate about a number of things about this season and next season and where we might be going and what we might have learned from this year. So no point hanging around. Let's get straight into this conversation with Cy and hear from him. So I'm joined now by Cy Hill of UK Ultimate. Cy, thank you for coming back on and talking to me. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for inviting me along. Nice to see you. Yes, you too. So uh, it was good to see you as well at Nationals, which is the first actual tournament that we've had in two years. How yeah. how was it for you, before we go to the rest of the season and everything like that, how was it for you it was being magic, back it? at the tournaments? It was totally magic. I volunteered. I couldn't wait to get out to the car park to see everyone in and uh, waving madly at everyone and, um, you know, air high fives as everyone went past to park their car and... Um, just about managed to hold it together, but it was really brilliant to uh, to see everyone. Well, probably wasn't following all of the car park protocols I normally am supposed to, but it was <laughs> fantastic to see everybody. And uh, and then, you know, look, the whole weekend I think went really well. We'd we thought long and hard about which things to try and do. Obviously, with COVID and it all was changing as we were going along, and it was quite complicated. But I guess things had simplified somewhat by the time we got there. And then um, we had obviously arranged to be at that really nice venue because it was all part of our world clubs plan to which would have been there some of it and we wanted to obviously learn about the venue and try it out a few times so so that was all part of that plan that we were and we were happily already committed to it and um, it turned into a great venue people were super happy I think with the fields I mean the team there are always brilliant at the way it's all laid out it's great you know and um, and then we were able to work with Aussie TV with the, you know, with the camera crew up in the balcony. So much easier to be filming games with an indoor base for the for the camera crew and the commentators. So they were up on the balcony. So yeah, and I, and I think everybody seemed pretty happy. We had a bunch of really exciting games. I thought really, you know, I, there were points when you didn't know where to look, right? And and you know, we haven't always had that at our top tournament, you know, of the year of nationals. Sometimes it's a little bit. You know, we've had sort of relatively predictable things. And actually, it was really kind of, there's quite a bit going on at times and quite a few either super close games or, you know, surprising results and so on. So, yeah, but most of all, everyone seemed, everyone I saw seemed pretty happy. And I was certainly happy to see everyone. Love Frisbee. Yeah, the venue was great. Like you say, the field's really good. Uh, obviously, I was playing in the mixed division and uh, all the fields, it seemed like, were really good condition there was nothing that was really really hard like you see in some places nothing where the grass was a bit thinner or anything like that it was all really, really good condition so it was nice yeah. to play at and definitely the facilities looked looked pretty good for um ulti tv in particular it's definitely as you say much easier having that built-in balcony and have to build that scaffolding which can sometimes look a little precarious but they had a nice building with plenty of room to work with in there so so that's yeah. good stick with nationals i suppose for the first question i have about where we might be going from here and how you thought it worked Three equal divisions of eight teams. Uh, obviously, most of that is necessity in terms of not having too many people there. The European division would usually be a bit bigger. I think women's mixed is usually eight. Uh, how do you think it worked having a eight and eight? I thought it was, from my perspective, as you know, a player and also, also as somebody who's trying to cover the, ga- the games a bit, I thought it worked really well having the, the three equal divisions. Yeah. Look, we've been sort of, we had been planning that we would try and have that conversation with everybody and in normal times we would have gone through more of a 
consultation process on that. In the circumstances, you know, we felt we had to cut the numbers down and it was the appropriate way to do it. It was the, you know, that we talked about, you know, three separate weekends for each division and all of those sorts of things. And we just went for that one. And with no disrespect to the nine teams who weren't there, well, and of course, there weren't nine teams, but sorry, eight. I can't even add up, can I? But there weren't actually, because because normally we've had three or four Irish teams in that open division too. So we were, we hadn't actually lost as many as eight UK teams from that competition anyway. And no disrespect to them, but I think the tournament did work really well, actually. I think it was nice that the format was the same and the, and the number of teams. It was great that it was the same in all three. You know, as I said to a few people all over the weekend, back to the venue conversation, right? A smaller number of teams opens up the options for us on on other venues it would be quite a squeeze to put another eight teams in on that venue mm. um, might be doable but it would be a bit of a squeeze so you know overall yeah overall I, I thought it it panned out and as we said earlier as well you know lots of close games and not really very many we did still have a few kind of I guess you'd call them blowout games but but not not so many so yeah I think yeah pretty happy really as I say we would have liked to have had more of a process on it for those other teams, but it was, you know, it was a, an obvious way to go to help us cut numbers and make the event more likely to go ahead. So going to the qualifying process for for nationals, we obviously had the league and the cup this year. Mm-hmm. How did you think the league and the cup worked from a broad sense? Did it go as you anticipated it might? Yeah, I think mostly. So the league, I think the league did particularly I think it you know more or less panned out and actually we had some of the flexibility that we hoped for so we had a team you know Emo couldn't play one of the first games you know because of Covid whatever and um, you know there was time for us to be able to postpone it and get the you know so the teams kind of worked around it and were able to deal with it and in the league that was manageable actually a couple of teams got a bit of Chevron I think in particular probably got a bit unlucky with their travel yeah. compared to others. Although, of course, the, the Scottish team did also, you know, pick up a fair amount of travel. And that was always a bit un- unavoidable. So, yeah, but it, yeah, I think the league worked well. I thought, you know, it was amazing, wasn't it, right? The smog won the women's division. We, you know, we, that was a difficult decision, what to do with the, the two teams who perhaps who we suspected wouldn't kind of take their place at nationals and what to do with them. I suspect you might come back to that question. We won't um, worry. <laughs> um, so we leave that. So uh, yeah, the league part worked well. And I think for the most part, teams were able to kind of navigate the travel piece and the kind of, you know, grouping some fixtures together and not doing others together. We put in quite a lot of effort to try and equalize the travel and it all seemed to pan out reasonably well. Obviously red couldn't quite finish all their games in the women's, which was, was a shame. The cup attracted more teams than we expected, which gave us a problem that we really wanted to have, but it did make it more complicated. And so we were kind of rushing to try and kind of keep up with it a bit. And I guess, well, I should say that was initially in the open and mixed. Yeah. And we then left enough space for teams to get knocked out of mixed and then be able to open enter women's. And then that filled up as well, which was really cool. Um, but again, kind of created some of the same challenges. And, Definitely some of the teams found the travel more difficult and with a clock on when the next game had to be done, yeah. the inevitable COVID problems that came from here and there did make those kind of situations slightly more difficult for everyone involved. 
It was um, Lemmings game in midweek, wasn't it? They had to go up, go up north. And well, play that was cool. Thursday. Yeah, so there was one when the team, so the team that had had the challenge with the initial date kind of take took the extra step to travel further and kind of find a way to make. So people were really trying. I mean, everyone really tried. And we really, I mean, you know, we know how hard it was for the folk that were organising the teams. Like some of the people who were sort of admin for their team, it was a, it was tough. And, you know, we weren't aware of that and very grateful for all the help you know, that they gave everyone else around them, you know. I think the the really challenging bit, and I think this was interesting because we have this, we see this with regionals or have seen this with regionals for the last few years. That bit at the beginning of August is just hard. People are not quite so available. And, yeah. and in a way, that was perhaps where the cup became hardest. It worked really, seemed to be working really well at the beginning. And I think it was fair to say that as we got to the end bit and to the playoffs, the kind of combination of some people having to travel further and the kind of classic early August, not everyone's available thing. Plus, we maybe that was the bit when the pinging was at its highest. Those three things did come together to make the way that playoffs bit ended up, I suppose, I'm honest, not quite being as satisfactory as we'd hoped. Didn't quite hit the, you know, I think you could sort of see that maybe it was going to really kind of go, wow, that's going to be brilliant. And yeah. it didn't quite hit that. And we had a few, hit some snags and, and some problems and so on. So, but, you know, I think in terms of the way we sort of merged the two as a qualification structure, I, I'm honestly, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I'm not saying I would, that's the model that we want to use forever, but as a solution to the problems that we face, and we had to come up with an answer in March, remember, really. We couldn't just sort of wait and see. Yeah. We were pretty much trying to figure out an answer in March and April. And I think for the most part, our guesses weren't bad. And I thought it was okay. And I think if you look at the if you look at nationals, it's hard to say that the teams are all wrong. Of course, there'll be some folk. I think fire in the open division got really, really, really unlucky, right? They got it was really hard to work out how to seed smashed. And then they got fire in that first round. And that was, I mean, you know. Not, like you say, very unlucky. Just that's one of, the, one of those things. None of, us, none of us wanted that, right? And we put in a lot of thought trying to work out how do we kind of avoid the situation where two really strong teams meet each other too early. How do you see this team you don't really know enough about? It was, you know, and so, we, yeah, that went wrong. I don't think you can, you know, I don't think you could call it anything other than that isn't, that wasn't the plan. But smashed were really like weren't they brilliant, right? I mean, and nobody really could have, you know. I think it would have been unreasonable of us to give them a high seed at the start, without you know, without knowing. And then they came through and they were fantastic. And they, you know, they almost almost made semis, right? I mean, that bit of drama on Saturday evening was was amazing. So, yeah, that's sorry. As usual, a really long and rambling answer to a simple <laughs> question. No, it's good. It's good. I agree with you in terms of. It, I'm sure. Seeding smashed was a nightmare, and I'm sure we could have asked a load of people where they thought smashed would have finished. But being a point off Devon in a sudden death game to go to semis, I certainly didn't see them being quite that good, and I thought they would be good. So I certainly think it's just one of those things where it's it's difficult. I think the one thing I'm interested in as well is with the later stages in the qualification bits, we obviously had some teams moving matchups around and forfeiting matches, kind of to get the geographic matchups that they wanted is that something that was that you were happy to see or not happy to see but you were okay with happening or would you have preferred the games to happen or what was your perspective on those those things some of which didn't end up mattering very much because the games got cancelled anyway but still 
I think overall we always went into it kind of with the with a sense that the priority probably had to be ease of playing rather than perfect sport rules. Right. I, is that does that make sense? Right. So I think yeah. I always felt like compromises to enable people to play probably outranked perfectly keeping to all of the kind of the properness of, of that sort of thing. So uh, we actually, we sat a little bit at the beginning on whether, on how to announce the way that stuff would pan out at the very end, because we thought we would wait and see how the pandemic was going. And then as we got through a, some of it, we reached the point where we felt like we couldn't wait until we knew who all the teams were before deciding who got to play each other that we would have to say in advance you know the way that was going to work and then stick to those things and so I guess maybe we would have quite liked actually to have enabled in the draw more geographical matching and to shorten the distances but we felt like at that stage it's a national championships after all that we reached a point when we were down to those last few teams that that we probably shouldn't be tinkering with it. And it was better to just let it kind of say, this is how it's going to be and let it play out. When we got there and then individual groups of teams decided to make decisions within themselves to sort of make things more convenient for them or whatever, then we were, we were okay with that. I think there were one or two instances where it, it didn't work out very well for all of the teams in those situations. And we didn't want that clearly so that was a bit of a shame but you know nobody nobody in those situations is trying to kind of stuff up the other people they're all just yeah. you know everyone's dealing with quite a lot at the same time there so I think we were okay with it I suppose <laughs> the short answer sure absolutely yeah I mean, like you're, okay like with it but worried about the implications and we decided that we didn't want to be tinkering I suppose that was the point so we said we're going to set it out like that and then if the teams make some decisions then you know, you have to remember, I mean, it's easy to forget, right? But at that point, you know, you're right around the end of July, early August, there are all sorts of people thinking about whether they're going to be able to go on holiday or not. And, and all sorts of people being pinged all over the place if they kind of, and so a lot of folk at that point, I think, were, were sort of balancing up just how much they wanted to play this game of Frisbee versus all the other things in their life quite reasonably, I think. And so, you know, it wasn't easy for anybody at that point. I think everybody did their best. Uh, it didn't pan out brilliantly for, for a couple of teams who, who we have spoken to and you know doesn't make it right for them but yeah yeah and you're right in terms of convenience as well all those all that shifting around matchups and all that kind of stuff was done to make it more easy for people to play and just taking one example if you'd have had the matchup where someone like uprising who are based in the south had to play against scram that becomes enormously more difficult than uprising playing against sick which is how it eventually worked out because they move those matchups around and you know maybe those games don't happen if you go the other way around so it doesn't it's a kind of a moot point as well so yeah i certainly get the the utility perspective of things there so in a normal circumstances you wouldn't design it like that right and you wouldn't allow those sort of things to happen we were we were definitely balancing quite a few bits and pieces right so not not just we i don't mean we the uk ultimate we we all of us right we all the teams all you know everybody yeah, so that's one part. There's two other things I want to talk about with the with the League and Cup. Well, the first one you've already hinted at. So uh, we talked a little bit, I talked with various people about 
what we thought worked this season, uh, that both on the podcast and off the podcast. And I've mentioned this to you uh, when I saw you at Nationals as well. But the one of the things that does keep coming up is Mighty Hucks in the mixed and Smog in the women's. From most people's perspective that I've spoken to, Smog in the women's makes some degree of sense because there were fewer teams in the women's division. As you say, we had to wait for the mixed cup to have some kind of resolution in the first round before we got more teams into the women's cup there. So Smog is a more kind of, Everyone, I think, kind of see, sees why they were in there. And as you say, they want the thing. So obviously having them in there was a worthwhile endeavour. Uh, but with the mixed division being bigger, there's definitely been some discussion about whether Hucks justified their place there. I've had Bruin on this podcast to talk about their perspective on it. Your perspective on it. Do you think that it was the right decision to have them in the league this year? And if you are having the league again next year, if it were to happen, let's say hypothetically, would a similar decision process, decision-making process come in where they guarantee somebody a good game. They finished third, didn't they? So they guarantee everybody a good game. So is that what you're still looking for in the league or would you be looking for in the league if it was to happen again? Let's go with the what we did do. I'm definitely yeah. happy with what we did. Hmm. I think, I mean, that's always a tough call, but I think, you know, they, they you know, in the women's smog one and, and, and Mighty Hucks, as you said, I think were third. And part of the point, of that league was to try to put the strongest teams together and make sure that if they were all traveling some distance, that they were getting good games. And, you know, I don't want to be, don't want that to come across disrespectfully to the team who would have come in if Mighty Hucks hadn't been there. Cause that's not what I mean, but, you know, I, I guess we, we weren't, the league wasn't intended to be a qualifier on, right. Just like the tour wasn't a qualifier on to other things and I guess to some extent it was a, a little bit of a sense of well you know these are teams who've played in the previous in the in the in what in our tour in what that was when they were split and people could play in both mixed and and single gender divisions and so it seemed reasonable and and you know we obviously also had to make the very quick and dirty decision about which teams to invite and we really could only go on data from primarily from 2019 and both of those teams justified their positions if you looked at the results not just not necessarily only the rankings but if you actually dig into the results because we have all the results and we can go and find out who played who at junction seven in 2019 right and look at the games that happened at that tournament and you know so we did and I think both those teams justified that option and in a situation where we're looking for flexibility and looking for looking to try and get people, you know, back up and running and playing. Yeah, you know, possibly a controversial, as you say, maybe easier in the women's decision, in the women's division than mixed. But but then you, you have to then make decisions in a somewhat consistent way, right? So if it's so obvious in women's, it's quite hard then to say, right, well, we're going to definitely ask Smog, but we're not going to ask Mighty Hucks because, you know, that division is, I mean, the, the, both teams, I think, had a track record that showed that it was a reasonable, reasonable shout. But you know, every respect for the other the other argument. I mean, it wasn't. It was just a decision we had to make, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose the the main the main criticism I think I've heard is it's the particularly with Mighty Hucks as 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 we've said, it's the the best players in the country getting another thing to play in that people lower down where they haven't been getting the opportunity. I the team that would have come in probably wouldn't have been as good as Mighty Hucks, and that's pretty. Uh, I would say like, that's a very fair because they're very, very good and they're full of very good players. But 
those players are largely, you know, they had a lot of Clapham players, a lot of Bristol players, a lot of Iceni players. Uh, mm. That, I think, is the main criticism I've heard. So it's just, I suppose, your perspective on where to balance the giving mm. opportunities to people across the division and giving everybody in that structure already there. A that's, a reasonable, that's a reasonable comment, but you, we were also trying to, I guess, juggle a, a prediction about how many players and teams would be willing to make the journeys. Mm. Because we knew we were going to ask some of these teams to go a bit further than anyone else would have to go, or at least that was our expectation initially, or more often, I think. At least that was how it felt at the time, that we were mm. we were probably asking more of this set of teams and players. And I guess that's part of that judgment, right? Was you know, will will the next will the next teams down have a squad of players who are willing and able to make those journeys? And you know, maybe they would have, but we were, to some extent, also having to make some of those decisions quickly and without really the kind of consultation that we would all like, because that would have just, I think if we'd gone out and had a kind of big consultation on that, it would all unravel and we wouldn't have got it ready in time, I suspect, which is not, you know, or clearly not ideal, but I think that's where we were at the time. So, yeah, I mean, and then I think the other point of, sorry, and then the other piece is the one about that team did give the very top teams some tougher games than I think the next team down would have done. And that's part of what we were trying to achieve. You know, I don't think anybody could have gone in at the beginning and said, mighty Hucks will never win this. They could have. And, and I think that's a relevant team to put into that competition. As for whether we would do that again, I think there's a lot of questions about how we would construct such a thing if we were to do it in 2022 or beyond and and to me the critical question about that i suppose there are, there are there are two there is the whole what are you trying to achieve thing but if you assume that in an elite in our kind of top national league thing one of the main things we're trying to achieve is highly competitive play with the with the strongest players that's the first piece and then the second piece is does it qualify you onto somewhere else do do we have to it requires some integrity of rosters and if you, if we can run that competition in a way that is doesn't require integrity of rosters into the next round or the national internationals or ecf or worlds or something then yeah then i i think i'd probably i would probably vote for inviting those teams but it won't only be up to me and mm. we will be asking for more input if we were to do that we would be asking for more input and if the majority of the community want we're saying no, 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 then I guess that's probably the way we would go. But I would argue for make it as hard as you can. And if that involves having a couple of teams who are who look a bit different, you know, still think that benefits the other top teams. So that leads us nicely into the final thing I wanted to talk about, which is what you think things might look like in 2022, which I know is a pretty impossible question to answer because we still don't really know where the pandemic is going from here. But I, I obviously have some thoughts, as I'm sure everybody listening does and everybody who plays Ultimate in the UK does. And from, from my perspective, and again, this is something we talked about before, I thought the Challenge League worked really well. There was a lot of friendlies being played all over the place. And if tours were to come back, obviously we'll see what happens, but if tours were to come back, do you think there will be scope for fitting them within the Challenge League, i.e. tour is basically just a big old pile of Challenge League games happening in one place? Yes. <laughs> 
usually you're you're much longer with your answers than that side. So oh. I um <laughs> I I personally resisted the idea of individual rankings being based on individual games for years, and um, I think that was completely wrong. And um, I wish I hadn't done that. And I wish that the changes we'd started in 2018 or 19 had gone straight to individual game-based rankings, as several of the people who kind of engaged in the conversation suggested it should. And um, I wish we'd done that then. I think that it was really cool to see people playing friendlies. I mean, somebody even started doing it before we kind of launched it. I think yeah. I think Heard, Heard played somebody. I can't remember who you, who you played, but anyway. So, yes, I think that we like that idea. I think we saw it working. And actually, the more games you get into that system the better the rankings look. I mean, if you look at the rankings right now, they need some more updating on some of the some of the games from the last couple of weeks. But also if you look at them, you know, they still, some teams are sort of in the wrong place. Hmm. Right? But actually, if we kind of, if we, we will keep it running. We intend to leave it open. We intend to just keep adding games to it. If people give us games, we'll be putting them in there. And gradually the positions that people are in will, will settle down. Yeah. And, once we're into a situation where some of the time we're getting tournaments, that will add a lot of data into that system and it will become more accurate. So I think really keen, really keen to keep it like that and just to keep it running the whole time, like all year round. Hopefully we'll reach a point where we can kind of say there's a winner or somebody or, you know, at some time of year. And presumably that would be the end of the sort of outdoor season or something. But I think really keen. And I'm really hoping that it will sort of be something that the uni teams pick up and that we start to get uni teams playing clubs, which we don't really get much of anymore. And it's a real shame because you get more games where, where some of the uni teams can kind of, you know, come and be counted in the other, you know, in, 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 up against the clubs, you know, because some of them would do really well and that would be really exciting. And, and we'd get better connections between players in and around the same region, I think. You know, yeah. obviously some regions are well connected like that, but it's not true everywhere. And I think really hoping that could help. And likewise into schools, right, on beyond. We hope that we can get schools playing in some of these things. So 100% planning to carry on with something like that with tournaments. So there'll be plenty of tournaments. I mean, you know, COVID allowing, et cetera. Such as they Pl are, yeah. Plenty of tournaments, but also individual games, hoping to get people to do a bit of a mixture. I mean... You would know, I, I guess, you know, you probably played in some of the London Summer League games. So there's a league thing that we've got that we'll be feeding that results, those results into the Challenge League too. Hopefully we can get other league or other bits of tournaments that are going on over several weeks in different times of year. So on, get them in there too. Maybe we can grab all the Bucks Uni results and put them in. Like Just like feed it up with information and and and, and hopefully that just generates conversations and interest and generates more games and I don't want to be eighth in the league I want to be sixth so let's go and find these teams and play them and beat them and yeah so really keen on that personally uh, you know hopefully we can improve the algorithm with a bit more experience but it's it's a pretty standard thing right FIFA use it it's used in chess it's like you know um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's used in a lot of gaming things as well I think so ideally then it's challenge league with tournaments fitting into that rather than I mean is the league and cup do you feel that, that was a an extraordinary solution to an extraordinary circumstance? Well, they were extraordinary circumstances. I don't know. It's true. Sorry, yeah, a solution to extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. I don't know. We're about to start sending out some surveys and offering some online forums for people to come and just tell us, sort of unload their 
unload their experience and sort of tell us the bits that they hated and hopefully some bits that they liked. I I think the cup did sort of get people interest. I think there was something about the cup that kind of amused people. Yeah, there was a lot of drama to it because of that single knockout. Yeah, and it was also true. We definitely saw some folk playing who can't really go to a tournament for whatever reason. Yeah. The most obvious one that I kind of saw um, because of the people I was kind of with was people who, to be honest, are too old and broken to play a whole weekend. But they're good, they're good players and, you know, they can play a game or two, but they can't necessarily either physically or, or for other reasons in, in their lives, commit to kind of being places for a whole weekend and so on. So the, these formats open up the opportunity to maybe engage some of those folk a bit more than we've been able to do in, in recent times. I don't really know. I mean, as I said earlier, we definitely got into tricky bits near the latter stages of that mm. competition. And, and so, and it is tough for, I mean, you know, I particularly think, you know, EDI had a particularly tough time of it, you know, and yeah. you know, that's not necessarily surprising because they're further away from everyone else, but it's not okay. Yeah. So, so I like it. I liked it. I liked the cup. I thought it was interesting. You know, it, it created a change. It created a new way of, of engaging with competition for people. But there are some kind of pretty difficult downsides I think we would have to kind of figure out. Definitely, though, some folk really enjoyed it. I quite like the idea of there being a competition like that that the people in the league couldn't get into, you know, because that opens up a kind of, what's the right word for it, you know, an important final that perhaps, you know, the people who always play the finals are kind of aren't able to get to because they're involved in this other competition. And, and that playing in those pressure games does create experiences for players that, that are, that, that you don't quite get in the pool game, right? I mean, you know, if it's yeah, so... Yeah. It's something I think we've had in open with like the B and C tour finals because those games actually meant something. They were fairly important because it was all about the promotion and stuff. But I suppose in mixed and women's that didn't, exist as much just because of the structure of tours yeah we never quite got to that place did we and, and i yeah. think that that also so yeah and that promotion relegation thing kind of worked in fits and starts i think it would be fair to say and and it, and it also had its but you're right there, there were some games there that, that really mattered to people and and that can be and i don't only mean experience in terms of kind of oh it makes you a better player i just mean in like just fun it's really yeah. fun to be in a game that really matters and it gets to sudden death and, you know, you win it or you lose it. Well, even if you lose it, you don't forget it. You know, it becomes something that happened to you and it's important to you and so on. So all of that part of it as well, I don't just mean, you know, oh, I'll make better players or whatever. You know, it, it's just an, a great experience. To, so I think the, the Cup had some of that, but I do see challenges. We definitely hit a kind of, as I said a couple of times, we hit this point where it, the distance is involved for just one or two games were becoming quite tiresome mm. for those teams. And whilst Alba or Chevron or Icenior, you know, that some of those teams are sort of set up to be able to, they've got enough players in their club and they're set up to just be willing to kind of go somewhere a long way that perhaps in the cup, you're, some of the teams who kind of reach those latter stages aren't necessarily fortunate enough to be in the position where they've got that, all of that sort of background infrastructure to help them out. So, Definitely, so we would have to solve some challenges, I think, for those teams. I mean, maybe, there probably there are answers, right? I mean, you know, maybe you just have more games at the end or something. You know, you go somewhere for the weekend. Looks more like a tour, you know. More like a tour, um, yeah. 
the league I'd be fibbing if I didn't say I, if I said I wasn't interested again we will get feedback we're not going to impose you know something on everyone that they don't want yeah I think some of the teams liked it I think you know and there are some obvious upsides there's the whole kind of you know if you talk to folk that film ultimate they're really interested in the in the switch from the kind of match day experience the match day one match or couple of matches sort of thing rather than a big sprawling tournament you know the sort of story there you get to extend the competition out over two or three months or longer that's more interesting i think for that's all the folk who kind of do media and you know such as yourself or they do video of of, of ultimate often those folk are talking about you know, it's hard to stitch the story together across a season. Well, if you kind of pull this league out across three months, you do get some of that stuff. Uh, and as I've said again already, I think when you're only playing one or two games, it changes the dynamics of things. So clearly there's a risk that you travel a long way and it's a really boring game and then you have to go home again. But equally, you know, maybe you travel a long way. Maybe you don't have such a big team. You know, some of our teams are really big. Yeah. And, I don't know. Is that really fun for who? I don't know. Anyway, so there's a question there, I think. And then if you go there and you play one or two games, you don't need as many players. You're not in this kind of marathon thing where the people who are winning at the end are just the strongest or the people with the biggest squads or anything. You know, you've got, you can take, let's say, 12 or 14 players and you can really be a tight-knit team and cope with the physical demands of what you're being asked to do. It is unusual to play a sport. Compared to other sports, we do this unusual thing of kind of really pushing everybody through a bit of a marathon. Yeah. Sorry. And again, I've gone on and on and on. Sorry. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think I think we have to look as a sport, or at least in the UK, I think, I mean, obviously in other parts of the world, they do some of these things more than we do. We were, we've been really, really focused on tournaments. Tournaments are magic. But I think we have to look at some of these other formats, like bringing people together, bring three teams together and play two games. You know, you all play two games. And and because of the demands on people's bodies, it's just more accessible. You know, some of the games can be closer to home, maybe not all of them, but, you know. So I do think we should look at it both for, I don't, I mean, I think we need to look at that sort of league play for the very top teams. But I also think we need to be trying to get more of it to happen for people who are in the same area. And obviously that's easy in London. There are more teams. It's not so easy in places where there are fewer teams, but at least we could, I think this year we showed that you could get, people were up for a bit of a journey for a couple of games, two or three games. And so maybe we can do that. And maybe that would change the accessibility of the sport. Maybe folk who kind of can't go for a weekend and they live in, you know, they live quite a long way into Scotland and, and most of the stuff we do is tournaments south of Coventry well, it's just rubbish for those people but actually if there's more time for a bit of structure where some of the games are happening nearer to nearer to everybody as it were then I think we might find we've got more people who can play um, and it'll take a bit of time to get both things in place but that's what I that's what I want I'd like us to get to a place where we've got the tournaments but we've also got some structures that allow people to play more one-off games without having to travel so far, without having to commit to the whole weekend. That's not quite the same as a National League. But there's a bit of me that suspects that having a National League might help to normalise 
that sort of approach to games in other parts of the country as well, I, I think it probably would be pretty good for the teams involved. The challenge with it, obviously, is the people who don't get in. Yeah. And that is something that we need to think very carefully about. And I don't take that lightly at all. Um, clearly, a couple of teams were quite badly negatively affected by what was a pretty, you know, quick and dirty decision about which six teams to invite this year. And we were, that was a little bit taken by surprise that, that, that teams were quite so affected because we thought we'd put in other things for them to do. But clearly some teams were, did really kind of take it, did affect them. And we didn't, you know, that's, that's an undesirable effect. And we have to think through how that, how that works for everybody if we go there. And as I say, the first thing, I do just want to emphasize again, we're going to go out and try and get feedback and input. We're not, we're not, there's not a kind of mind made up thing here. That, that makes sense to get the get views of everybody who went through it, played in those games uh, before, before moving forward. And certainly from my perspective, as you said, from a, somebody who is producing a weekly podcast, the serial nature of the League and Cup made it very easy to cover the kind of story of the season as we, as we went along. So that certainly did or well, helped me. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> I think, sorry, to, I'm interrupt, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I think that helps, that probably helps everyone in the kind of medium to long term. Right? The more sort of chat, the more content there is, the more, more of these things that are going on, the more sort of hooks there are for people to get kind of engaged and so on. So I think, you know, we, we are totally focused on sort of delivering things just for the players and we do have to figure out a little bit how to do some things that, that are sort of presentable outwards as a way to help other people kind of see it and get engaged and then work out how to engage with it. And if the only way you can engage with it is to join a team of 40 people and go to a weekend tournament six times a year, it just isn't going to work because there yeah. just there aren't enough people who can do that. It's really hard unless you're a particular kind of point in your life or you're lucky enough to have this you know do you know what I mean like it's just oh, yeah. not, it's brilliant and it's wonderful but it can't work for enough people and we need to create a mechanism for the other people to be able to play too some slightly kind of more direct questions I suppose and there's certainly questions you want to have answers to because I'm, I'm aware some of them are not necessarily within your control but obviously this year Nationals was a World Clubs qualifier do we have any indication yet from WFDF on how many spots there might be at WCC we had three in each division last time, but it won't be that. It won't be. I mean, there are two phases to it, right? There's how many bids we get given at yep. the beginning, and then there's what happens as teams and countries decide whether they will take up their bids. Yeah. So we got, we got three. In, we got a fourth in the mixed division last. We got time, a fourth in the mix, but that was a wait list. Yeah. So we got three in the first round last time around. In the mixed and the open divisions. That was because in 2014, we had Clapham and Cambridge doing particularly well. And sadly, none of our teams did as well in 2018. So we don't get that bonus bid. So realistically, I think the most we'll get in that first round is two. And, and I'm not absolutely convinced we'll even get two. I will be really happily surprised if we end up with two in the first allocation. I'm expecting one. And I know that everyone, I know that most players are expecting three, but I'm expecting one. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we'll get two. And then I think it is realistic to imagine that if we're one of the parts of the world that is lucky enough to be able to travel to the US next summer, 
there will be parts of the world you can't or for whom it is just prohibitive for one yeah. reason or another. And I imagine that there will be waitlist bids kind of coming out later on. And, and I suspect we'll get the opportunity to take some of them. So I don't want to say that we're only going to get one or two teams per division to the tournament. But when the woof of information comes out, as it surely will do in the next sort of few weeks, I don't think we'll get as many as we had in 2018. But, but as I say, we may well end up with that many by the end, or maybe even more. I mean, you know, it's hard, hard to, so hard for any of us to predict that, right? I mean, it's quite hard for somebody from the UK, actually maybe from most of Europe to even get into the US at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and if you look at Australia, who obviously had Colony in final last time around, there's no indication at the moment that they'd be able to go. New Zealand, the same, who, you know, had some teams doing some pretty, pretty well there. So as you say, there's teams for whom it might be completely impossible. So we'll and have to wait and see. Travel may well be more expensive next year than it was four, six years ago. Who knows? So yeah, um, not as many as we hope, I think. Okay, and something that directly affects me moving into something slightly different world club masters is next year as well uh qualifiers on 9th of october this this is the first time we've had any kind of qualification process for a master's tournament isn't it no, do you know what i think we actually did have a, a little bit in 2013 2013 wow okay yeah 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 we did i think there were three teams that wanted to play in the open masters division of four maybe and um, zimmer was the, was that Age against the machine at that stage, or Zimmer, Baff, I think, and uh, um, and maybe maybe Age against the machine. I can't. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think at the initially there were only two bids. Probably there were three in the end. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, don't remember whether we did any for the 2018 tournaments. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, there was there was a, there was more interest than ever this time, especially in the mixed division. So yeah, we've had to put together some qualifiers. Again, I suspect we'll end up getting, I suspect once that tournament sort of shakes out, my guess is there'll be quite a few bids going spare for teams in countries close to Ireland who, who can kind of make late arrangements to go. But still not. I can't promise, you, I can't promise you getting in there, Sean, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's what I was after. That was the entire, <laughs> the entire question was geared towards how do we skew it so that we can definitely guarantee our points. Um, and then I think the only the only other thing really that kind of stands out to me and from a club perspective anyway is with the um, the kind of uncertainty and stuff I suppose around Euros obviously only two teams going this year do you know if there's going to be any effect from this year's results and teams that decided to go this year for what EUF decided to do next year because obviously bids have traditionally been based on how your team's doing the tournament. We're only sending two teams in open, nothing in mixed and nothing in women's. Any indication yet? Or is it just basically it's a, a very similar thing to the League and Cup in terms of it's a solution to an exceptional circumstance? I, I don't think the EUF will really have had a chance to think through the ramifications of that problem. And I think if I was them, I wouldn't even bother because, because who knows whether, you know, what it looks like now will actually be what happens in three weeks' time still. So I don't think if I was them, I'd be investing much effort in that problem in advance. What's after? I think, though, my guess is that, that folk will take a fairly lenient view of people who didn't go. But at the same time, I think that we have to acknowledge that every year that decision is, is implemented and every year there are teams who can't go to ECF 
for reasons of financial difficulties or flight difficulties or for the Russian team sometimes just playing visa trouble right so yeah. I think that whilst we might be like oh that's really unfair because we couldn't really go because of the quarantine I think that we're probably going to have to get used to the fact that we're a bit of an outlier in Europe now and some stuff like that might not kind of go away anymore and you know these sort of problems not covid particularly but other problems have prevented other teams from attending these tournaments in the past and were they fair reasons they just didn't affect us right so maybe we didn't yeah. really notice but they probably weren't really fair reasons so i think that hopefully there'll be some capacity to kind of recognize that this was a very odd year and that the the, the uk teams have a strong long-term track record of showing up and being very competitive but at the same time yeah, I mean, there are always people who don't get to go to these tournaments and there are, for a variety of reasons, both fair and structurally unfair. Yeah, a fair point, certainly. And definitely, as you mentioned, the, the Russian teams and visa issues and teams kind of all over. We've had teams not being able to go to world championships and stuff because of visa issues. As you say, it's not necessarily a fair thing. Yeah, and just sometimes, you know, the, you know, if you're in the wrong country, you know, the connection to the place where UCF is isn't always isn't always good. I mean, that has improved because the UF obviously has sort of taken feedback on that and they've tried to, they tried pretty hard to get places where pretty much everyone can get to relatively easily. But it, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, Bordeaux particularly was quite challenging for some parts of Europe to get to in a way that was efficient. So moving away from club slightly, uh, GB is going to be starting up very soon. We have GB beach trials that are going to be happening, GB indoors trials. You've announced the GB World Games structure. I know that they're doing preliminary trials on October, are they not? So all starting back up again with the Great Britain teams soon. How are you feeling about GB coming back in real terms? I mean, obviously, it's, it's really exciting, isn't it? It's, also, it's obviously also a bit daunting, you know, because it's really frustrating for people when all those things happen on top of each other. You know, we've had, you mentioned the masters, the world master clubs qualifiers that we mm. kind of lined up. And then, you know, there are beach teams trying to make trials happen and, you know, some of them clash and then we're kind of ringing teams and saying, Oh, can you move this? And, you know, so, and obviously everybody's in, a, in this kind of crazy mad dash to try and make some of the decisions while the weather is sort of palatable. Yeah. And because people need to be able to plan and, and, you know, indoors and beach, pretty soon March and April so it's a bit of a pain for everyone to be having to kind of tramp you know trip over each other trying to get all those things done but I'm, I'm not sure there was much we could do about it other than just not having some teams which isn't really our way so yeah. that's a bit so I mean it's really cool and there's lots of interest and, and it looks like we'll get most of the teams in place I don't know if we'll get all of them especially to beach but you know, lots of people wanted to play, lots of excitement about, you know, having the trials and so on. And that's in that, that's just brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's definitely exciting, kind of the prospect of some sense of normality in terms of people being able to try out for teams that they want to try out for and the, uh, the option of people playing for Great Britain. You know, when people haven't played for Great Britain before, or haven't tried for Great Britain before, having those things coming up is definitely yeah. something you can really feel people being excited about. And it's always exciting. You know, players are always really excited about the World Games team. Yes. And, and actually, I think we should recognise, right, I mean, we asked about whether we might get slightly penalised on the EUF, XEUCF thing, but hmm. you know, we should recognise 
we probably got a bit lucky with the way the world. I mean, we probably would have qualified. Like we did, you know, we were doing well. We had strong teams yeah. and all the yeah, yeah, We yeah. probably would have, but we did get a bit lucky. Eh? Like you can't pretend we didn't. It would have been close. I mean, you look at teams. Teams didn't make it. Russia are very, very, very good. Yeah. So you know, but anyway, that's uh, we were lucky. So you know, so yes, yeah, really cool for for all the people involved to sort of you know try out that. And it's really you know it's obviously very competitive to get in, and and it and it's exciting for the folk that do and. Uh, you know but all the other teams too and you know there'll be junior teams too we hope we hope you know we're, we're about to we've got all our applications for the junior coaches and managers and hopefully we can get those teams up and running too in you know and start you know going out and finding those players and, and i think those teams might be you know it's, it's quite an unknown situation really how much things have been affected for those younger age groups where we did have some momentum in a bunch of places so that's it, great really exciting to be able to kind of get that started and up and running again although obviously a worry to find out how much ground we might have lost in terms of just folk that have moved on because they they there were other sports that they were able to do and when they weren't able to do ours so world games obviously the the pinnacle of the sport realistically it's the the kind of highest level you can play at in terms of being close to the olympics i suppose it's seen by a lot of people as the as the top level you can play at those trials happening in October, I know they're not finalising team for a while yet. It's I think it's early next year that they're having the, the final trial. Lucy and Sam running the team. How excited are you for the possibility of or when that's coming around in Birmingham next year? Kind of seeing that Great Britain team matching up against the other best teams in the world. The process obviously was a different one this year. How are you feeling about how it's all coming together and, and what it looks like at the moment? I think the information that Lucy and Sam published about the about the way the process would work looked great they really thought deeply about how to do that in a way that will give players the best possible opportunity to get in but and also give us the 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 best possible opportunity to have the strongest team to take the two previous times we've been we've we've been competitive but come up short and i think you know every reason to go to a tournament like that and think you know you're in it you're in it with a chance because the games are always pretty close and they're and, and they're good quality and exciting and, and so on and so I think you know I think we should have every reason to to look at it excitedly but you know but it's also a really really tough competition so you know so who knows but you know we've got we've got the opportunity to practice I think with with the with the French and the Germans as well the three teams probably have everything to gain from working together and not much to lose so hopefully it will be possible for the three groups to do something like that yeah I mean it's always it's always super exciting I am a little bit I, wonder, I sometimes wonder for the sport as a whole whether we whether we do ourselves a disservice to just discount WGC as, as the pinnacle of our, of our sport. But it is super exciting. I mean, I've been lucky enough to go twice, actually. Not, I mean, not as a player, obviously. Um, but, I, um, but I did go a couple of times. And it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So absolutely fantastic for the folk that get there. You know, but it's his, like, what was it last time? 72? And I just think, you know, whereas at WGC, there are like 2,000 players experiencing that. So it is a wonderful thing, but I think we, we should also remember and celebrate how tremendous the thing that we built ourselves as a sport, you know, is. Anyway, it's super exciting. I mean, it's going to be right. It's going to be mad next, um, next summer with, you know, quite mm. a lot going on all at the same time. You know, world, world clubs, world games you know, in particular, right on top of each other, but with other, you know, World Juniors is quite close to that. Um, your, the Masters tournament that you mentioned is just before, you know, there's an awful lot going on in a short space of time there. So, you know, that will be exciting. Yeah, certainly will be. There's a lot of potential for 
well, I, I said earlier that I was able to talk about stuff every week with the League and Cup. I think next summer I'll be having to talk about things two or three times a week at some point. It's just going to be yeah, really you'll be busy. busy. You'll be busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, all I had to talk about, to be honest with you. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't already mentioned? What I would actually, I mean, I hadn't, no, nothing else really, except to say that I'm connected to people that run other sports. And, you know, the last 18 months has, has, has obviously been really difficult for everybody and it's been difficult for sports you know and so on and I quite often saw folk in those other sports kind of having quite a challenge with their community as they tried to juggle the rules and the regulations and what they could do and couldn't do and 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 it was complicated 18 months and it's probably still more complication to come but I think one thing I was just really brilliant was the support that we've had actually from the folk in our community and I know not every decision we made worked out for everybody and you know some people weren't like felt this wasn't quite right and you know but actually overall we had really wonderful support and even when we did things that didn't work out for a team they were you know kind and thoughtful about the way they came back to us and for the most part it, it's been a really great period for seeing you know, everybody kind of coming together and working together to just try to find ways to play ultimate. And as we sort of first started being able to play, the delight on people's faces at just even being able to have a training session and so forth. And so, yeah, look, I suppose I just wanted to say, you know, that for the for us who are working for UK Ultimate and volunteers for UK Ultimate, it would is just to kind of comment on and thank, I think, all the people who play for their patience and their good humour in the way that they supported us as we worked out how to help folk kind of get back to playing and as we did get back to playing and, and so on and so on. So, yeah, that would be the one thing I'd add is just what a lovely group of people to work with and, and to and to work for. Great. I think it's a very nice note to end it on. So <laughs> thanks for your, very much for your time, Sai. I'm sure we'll talk again at some point soon. But, uh, yeah. Hopefully. Cool. Nice to speak to you and speak to you soon. Yeah, take care. Cheers. All right, a lot of stuff there. Hopefully you enjoyed it and you will learn something. For the next week, I'll be going over to Belgium to cover the European Championships in Bruges. So we'll have a preview for EUCF, only two UK teams, uh, but we do have three Irish teams there as well. So five teams of interest for the people that listen to this podcast. So We'll have a preview for that, and it will be, hopefully, the first podcast that I have recorded in the entire time I have been doing these podcasts, which is a fair few months now, where we're recording it in person. So that's extremely exciting. You can all look forward to that. So we'll be back next week. It might be early Thursday, looking at the schedule we have with uh, XUCF. The games start on Thursday, so it might be slightly earlier than usual, but uh, as I say, an EUCF preview podcast will be coming up. You can look forward to that, but until then, I'll speak to you all soon.